Journey. You know, our mission here at Journey Christian Church is to make disciples who make disciples. More than just a Sunday morning gathering or Sunday morning worship experience, that's our heart. So we want to be disciple makers. So we believe as, as church leaders, uh, it's our responsibility to develop future ministry team leaders, future pastors, even future missionaries. The Bible colleges and seminaries that we once relied on are, are closing. They're no longer um, doing that. So if we don't do it, no one else will. So the leadership pipeline along that line is, is up to us to create and fill. So towards that end, here at Journey, we've developed a ministry residency uh, to help raise up future church leaders. And the focus of this residency is, is to provide kind of a, a broad ministry experience across our whole journey ministry spectrum. All ages, all ministry, just exposure at that level. Now, it's similar to the interns that we have had in the past, but this is very much more intentional, more robust, and focused on development rather than just meeting a specific need. So through things like hands-on experience, coaching, training, and mentoring, this residency will help develop proficiency, clarity, and, and calling in ministry. So we have four values that, that drive this residency. One is spiritual development of the residents, a passion enhancement. We want to help them find their, their passion in ministry. Also character development. We care about their heart and skill development, you know, just that hands-on ministry at the church level. So this is a, a year-long extended experience, um, and it allows the resident to kind of explore ministry under the guidance and direction of the staff here. So we come alongside those residents to hone their ministry skills and clarify their leadership styles and, and ultimately, hopefully, clarify their calling in ministry all done within the local church context. So the, the heart of that residency that really drives it is two scriptures. One is from Ephesians chapter 4, and the other is 2 Timothy 2. But in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's, that's all of you, the saints. For the building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that residency that we're talking about is a ministry of equipping and building up church leaders. The other scripture that we've honed in on is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, uh, which talks about spiritual generations. It says, What you have heard from me, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So each disciple of Jesus then goes on to make more disciples who make disciples. So here at, at Journey, we are disciple makers. So I want to introduce to you our, our, our resident, Jordan Larson. So come on up, Jordan. Jordan began just this last week at, as our resident. Um, so we just want to take a time just to pray for him. Come on all the way up. We, we want everybody to get a good view of, of who you are. Um, so he, he's going to spend the next, next year with us. He's a, a senior at Wayne State College studying marketing and communication. But more than that, he's got a heart for ministry. 
And one day, almost in passing at the table, uh, he mentioned that he wants to do ministry. And I was like, ah, note to self, follow up with that. So we, a few conversations into it um, later, and he has now stepped into our ministry residency. So I just want to pray for you, Jordan, um, in, in this upcoming year. Father, thank you for Jordan's heart for ministry. Thank you for his willingness to explore what that looks like here at Journey Christian. Uh, so Lord, we just pray for him in the months ahead that he can find and hone that passion for ministry. He can develop skill and just grow more and more like your son, Jesus. So thank you, Lord. And may it all be for your glory and for your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome Jordan today. Thank you. Uh, just, just one other kind of family news uh, uh, thing. If, if you've noticed over the past few months, our services are getting more and more full. Um, that growing attendance that we've had here at Journey just creates a need for a growing volunteer base. So if you've been thinking about getting plugged in or helping out at Journey, yes, we, we need volunteers here at Journey Christian Church. You could do everything from like make and serve coffee on Sunday mornings. You could be a door greeter and shake people's hands coming in. You could be a nursery worker. You can help with elementary Sunday school teaching. You can work our sound booth up there and be the guy clicking through the slides or fixing sound. Um, you can be a musician, a vocalist. Um, and most of our ministry teams, we're talking just once a month serving or sometimes even less. But we would love to connect with you if you have a heart for volunteering, if you want to do some ministry here at Journey. Um, and you can connect in one of three ways. Um, you can connect through our Church Center app, and under there, click Signups, and we can, you can follow that. And if you don't have the Church Center app, you can scan the QR code at the starting point table. Also at the starting point, if you want to uh, connect through just our connect cards, you can fill that out. And on the back, there's a box just to check interested in volunteering, and then we'll follow up with you. Or you could just have a conversation. You know, get, grab me after the service. Uh, talk to Adam Wright, our associate pastor, Jen Bartos, our children's minister, um, and just express an interest in serving. All right, we come today to Romans chapter 14. So if you have your Bible or your app today, let me encourage you to open, open up to that section of Romans. And Romans 14 through the middle of chapter 15 is one long discussion that focuses on how to get along with people in the church. Now specifically, it's, it's more than that, it's specifically how to get along with people that disagree with you. But even more specifically, it's about how to get along with people who disagree with you on things that you are personally passionate about. Now, let, let me give you the bottom line up front. Paul is going to say that for most of these things, unity is greater than uniformity. Now, an, another way to say it that I've heard, uh, it's kind of drawn from church history, is, says that in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, love. This really ties back to what uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 12 when he says, live in harmony with one another. Well, chapter 14 and then the chapter 15 is Paul's ex ex explanation on how to actually do that, 
How does that flesh out in our day-to-day lives, and how, how does that flesh out in the things that we really care about? Now, in, in preaching this passage, I, I could preach this in really general terms, but I thought, no, I'm, I'm looking for a way to generate more hate emails. So I thought that this might be it. This would be more fun to get into some specifics. So I'll most likely ruffle some feathers today and, and kind of make you brace up a little bit. And if not, I've failed as a preacher. Um, but when you hear those things this morning that do kind of ruffle your feathers, it's at that moment that Paul's teaching from Romans chapter 14 can speak to your heart. And if you do send me an angry email, it, it's okay. I'll just forward it on to our new ministry resident, and, and he can handle it. That's what, that's what he's here for. Yeah, well, welcome to church ministry, Jordan. <laughs> well, let, let's dive in with the very opening verse of chapter 14. Here's what Paul says. As for the one who is weak, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. So right away, Paul opens up right out of the gate talking about disagreeing but without being divisive. He's, he's not saying that there, there will never be anything that we divide over because that's not true. If you read the rest of Paul's New, New Testament letters, uh, he often identifies things that we should separate from. And he calls out different areas of teaching, of lifestyle, of morality that we do need to take a stand on. And, and those and those doctrinal or behavior issues often go against the teachings of the gospel, the teachings of Scripture. But what he's talking about here, he kind of identifies these three levels of importance or three levels of, of importance for issues in the church. There are those matters that are essential for salvation. And at that level, that's where we need to be united. That's like our understanding of who Jesus is, the person of Christ, you know, our understanding of who God is, our understanding of sin and, and salvation, our view of Scripture, our view of sexuality. You know, those are things that are essential for our faith. But then, there's, then there are matters that are important, but not essential, not absolutely essential for salvation. That might be things like um, communion, the role or place of prayer, how to pray, you know, the process of sanctification, our view of morality, those are things that are all very important but wouldn't fall into that essential category of the faith. Then there's matters of in indifference. Those are our preferences, our opinions. Um, th those are things like um, our music style, you know, uh, the music volume, the color of the carpet, you know, the color of the chairs, the length of services, which version of the Bible that we preach from, you know, is it words on the screen or is it hymnals? You know, it's those things that typically churches divide over. They split over those indifference, preferences, and opinions. Well, it's at that level, that third level, that Romans 14 is about. Because not everything in the church is that first order issue. But, but here's what happens. The, the longer that you're in a church, the longer that you attend a church, um, we start to like things done a certain way. 
And we begin to think that, you know, everybody should like the things that we like. And, and we begin to choose our, our preferences or choose our churches around those preferences and opinions. And then in our minds, they, they are not even opinions anymore. They become just the way that things are. You know, the way that Christians should do church. So this morning, we're going to look at two contentious issues that the church at Rome faced, and then we're going to draw some principles on how to handle conflict uh, in the church. So for the Roman church, they had these contentious issues, and not necessarily issues that we face today, but the first one is about meat, meat. So issue number one, is, he comes out in verse two, he says, one person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. So there you go. The word of God, vegetarians are weak and divisive. <laughs> just saying, no. Just kidding, just kidding. This is not about the health benefits of a meat-only diet, you know. That, this is where knowing uh, some Bible background is super, super helpful. Now, in... in in the churches that were in the city of Rome, Rome was made up of uh, mostly idol worshipers. You know, there, there were a few Christians in the city, but a majority uh, worshipped idols. And much of the meat sold in the markets would have been like ceremonially offered to these idols. And they would offer it to the idols for their blessing. Um, and then sometimes they would then sell that meat at a discounted rate. Um, so they had this going on that, um, and, and if you remember more of the background, Rome was made up of, of Jewish believers and Gentile believers. So the Jewish believers looked at that meat, uh, and they thought, well, it was offered to an idol, so it's tainted, we can't eat it, so we refuse to buy that meat, and we're going to eat only veggies. But then the believers in Rome who weren't from a Jewish background, they thought, well, we know those idols aren't really God's. There's only one true God, you know, and the true God has power to counteract any idol magic, so pass the bacon. So you have these two backgrounds going head to head over meat or vegetables. And it's not really a, you know, a hot topic in our world today, but, but, but you can see how one group was radically opposed to one and the other was like radically saying, yeah, it's okay. And they were having some little battle going on. The other contentious issue that they had was observance of special days. Down in verse 5 of chapter 14, it says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Again, the, the believers from the Jewish background, they were in the thought that, you know, we should worship on the, on the Sabbath, which is our Saturday. Um, and they thought, well, we always have worshiped on Saturday, so why change it? In fact, we should probably keep all of the Jewish festivals and require all believers to keep our festivals and feasts and do the things that we do. But then there's the non-Jewish Christians, those from the Gentile background, and say, no, those things are part of the old law. And the death of Christ, his, his death and resurrection has completely released us from those things. So they're saying, you know, observe them if you want, but there's nothing inherently special about those days. 
And here's where Romans chapter 14 can really be helpful for us today. You know, we, we each think that certain practices in the church are important, and, but they might not line up with what other people think as important. So how do you live with people that disagree with you? So what do you do when, when you're going through life and, and you think they are absolutely wrong in their practice and you're right? And again, we're not talking about those things that are essential to the faith. We're not talking about like the doctrine of, of Jesus, who he is. We're talking about those areas where wisdom is needed, but scripture isn't necessarily clear. And here's where, where Paul says that unity as a church is more important than unity around our practices. So what, what about today? What are some contentious issues that we face today? Back when I first entered into ministry some 30 years ago, uh, the thing that I heard a lot was um, appropriate Sunday church attire. The, the clothing that you wore was like a big deal. Um, and quite often I, I heard that, you know, sayings like, God deserves our best, so that should include the clothing that, that we wear. And the thought was expressed to me more than once as a young pastor that if you were going to meet the president or if you're going to meet royalty, wouldn't you dress up? So, you know, why not dress up and come in before God? And then other Christians would say, no, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, so what you wear doesn't matter. So there was this conflict going on. And I knew that, I knew there's people in the churches I served early on that were genuinely bothered, you know, by some of the clothing that people wore. Like they were disrespecting God and they would almost like question their faith if they showed up in a t-shirt and not a collared button-down shirt, you know. And when I first entered ministry, preachers, they always wore a suit and tie. I mean, they would have questioned my calling if I dressed like this, you know, back, back in that day. An, an, another issue that was like early on would, would be brought up was this idea of dancing, and it was always looked upon as suspicious as a young Christian. And the, and the thought was, you know, you might get a girl pregnant if you danced with her. And I thought, no, that's not really how it works. <laughs> but that, that was a thing back then. And then uh, the first church that we served at and when I was going to seminary, it was a church, rural church in Indiana. And they were of the mindset that um, if you drank alcohol, that was a salvation issue, and they would question your salvation if you drank alcohol. And, and then we moved to Wisconsin where they weaned their children on beer, and it, was, <laughs> it wasn't a thing. And then using tobacco... Uh, the church in Indiana had, had no problem with tobacco. They grew it in that region. So, so the leadership after church, man, they'd put in a dip or have a smoke on the steps of the church. And then the church in Wisconsin, they looked on tobacco as a salvation issue. You know, and I, I remember some very irate church leadership discussions in Wisconsin about people smoking around the entrance of the church, you know. So when I first started attending church in my 20s, it was all about wear your Sunday best and don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with women that do, you know? <laughs> that, that was like, that was the basis of your salvation. But, but how about some more current issues? You know, sometimes I hear some rumblings about yoga. 
Um, some people say that's a Hindu practice and you can't separate the practice from the religion. And other people say, no, it's just good stretching and good relaxation. There's nothing about being a Hindu doing it. There's nothing anti-Christian about it. Homeschooling it, it is another uh, hot topic that I sometimes hear about. So if you want to see a good UFC fight, man, just put a homeschool mom in the same room with a public school mom and ask him about the best educational practice. Then grab some popcorn and sit back and watch. You know, or how about mask or no mask? You know, there's still murmurings over that one. Churches have split over that one. Or to a lesser degree, around here, it's like John Deere versus KHIS, you know. Man, squabbling. Mac versus PC, iPhone versus Android, you know, on and on you can go. People are passionate about these things. And many, many of you here today have strong opinions about some of these things. But none of them are necessarily salvation issues. Now, we, we might not argue about meat sacrifice to idols or what day to worship on, but I've seen churches split over these issues, literally. So with that in mind, here's Paul's advice on how to handle conflicts, how to handle some of these conflicts when they do come up in the church. First is obey your conscience. In, in verse 5, he writes, Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind, and the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord, and the one who eats, eats it in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. So he's saying, whatever you do, do it as an offering to God. So, so when there's those gray areas and you evaluate, you know, can I listen to this kind of music? Can I watch this movie? Do I do this activity? You know, if I do, can I offer it as an offering to God? And if you feel that something's wrong, or if you feel a little, little pull in your gut that says, ah, oh, that's probably not right, then don't do it. You know, don't do it unless you're fully convinced that it will not dishonor God. So obey your conscience. Second, be open. Be open to having your conscience changed or, or reformed. And Paul, what I like about Paul in this chapter is he clearly states that there are weak believers and strong believers. You know, he says the weak lack a full understanding of the gospel, and, and he challenges the weak in this passage to get stronger, but then he also tells the stronger not, not to judge the weak. You know, don't look down on the weak. Now, there's, there's a good chance that your conscience might be wrong about something, and when we get better informed, when we, when we understand more, then we can be retrained or reformed. So we have to ask ourselves the question, you know, am I humble enough to, to learn from another Christian? You know, am I humble enough that I might not see things always the right way? So be willing to listen and be willing to change your mind. So obey, be open, and thirdly, be, be patient. Be patient with those who might not agree with you 100%. You know, he says in verse 3 of, four, of chapter 14, let no one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. 
so when you feel that freedom to, to, to do something, but someone else has a problem with it, and it becomes a stumbling block, then it's better not to do that. You know, Paul talked about it this chapter that, yes, we have freedom to do things, but our freedom should never cause another brother or sister to stumble in their faith. And then he goes on in verse, or the next principle that we can draw from is simply remember, remember that not everyone reports to you. In verse 4 he says, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. I mean, that principle alone dissolves so much conflict, you know. But Paul, remember, Paul's not saying that we shouldn't, or that we should stop speaking about our convictions. But there, there are times where we just need to um, agree to disagree on those non-essential matters and still be friends. It's okay to disagree and still get along. We can still welcome and love those who disagree with us. And then the, the next principle I think is important because he says prioritize spiritual health over your own freedom. So it's like what I was just mentioning. So don't flaunt your freedom at, at the expense of someone else's spiritual health. When we're lo looking out for the benefit of others, when, when we care more about the growth of our brothers and sisters in Christ to become more and more like him, then that causes us to, you know, be wise about our freedom in Christ. And that leads to a last principle is simply uh, prioritize unity over these non-essentials over uniformity. You know, the kingdom of God, is, he says, is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I have my opinions. I have my preferences, j just like you do. It's not that I don't have them or that I'm scared to mention them. I just don't preach them as gospel. You know, I'm intentional on, on what I say in a sermon because I want, I want journey to be more about the gospel and not about uniformity in non-essential or debatable matters. See, our, our mission here, like I said, is to make disciples who make disciples, not making sure everyone shaves their head like, like I do, you know. We have bigger things to focus on. So as, as the worship team comes forward this morning, let, let me just wrap up by saying this. Truth matters. The truth of the gospel matters. Jesus matters. God's word matters. And those essential things, they definitely are worth taking a stand for. But Paul shows, shows us that throughout his, his New Testament letters. He's the first to go to battle for the essentials of the gospel. He shows us that the kingdom of God is not about uniformity in eating and drinking or clothing. One, one commentator I read this week named Michael Bird, he said, Paul is bent on stressing that Jesus is the Lord of the weak and Lord of the strong. He's, he's the Lord of the non-alcohol, Sabbath-keeping, vegan Jews, and he's the Lord of the, the bourbon-sipping, Saturday-shopping, bacon-munching Gentiles. He's Lord of them both. So unity in the body of Christ over the essentials is a whole lot more important than unity in non-essential matters. And I'll close with Paul's summary 
how he puts it in verse 8. He says, For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this just very real practical teaching of the Apostle Paul. This reminds us of what is important and what isn't. So, Father, may, may we base our lives upon your word. May we base our lives on the, the essentials of our faith and focus on encouraging others to, to do the same. Father, we thank you that you bring us Jesus, that you've given us your son so that we can be more like him. So, Father, may we run after that today with our lives. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's stand together as we continue to worship.